podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, guys, welcome back to the Canon Podcast in 2024. Wishing you guys all a very happy new year. Um, Arsenal fans right now, we're in a crisis. We're in a crisis. Oh my God, we're in a crisis. It's we're all we're over. fighting relegation. That's it's it. all over. It's all over. Um, let's add some context, Alex. First and first, how was the New Year's? It was good. It was good. Um, went to my sister's, got very drunk. Had Bailey's. About Bailey's? It's like a sort of... uh, whiskey, right? No, it's like a. Well, it might be. I could be wrong, but it's like a cream liqueur. It's almost like milk. Cream liqueur. Well, that I, can't be whiskey then. I feel like it might be my like my twenty twenty four drink. Although I'm, I'm going to do. Sounds like tequila rosé. It's it's certainly not tequila. I'm going to do. I'm going to do dry Jan. I think. Dry Jan or alcohol? Yes. Do you know who Andrew Huberman is? Yes, of course I do. He's a good. The goat, exactly. But he, um, I listened to a podcast a couple of days ago about um about alcohol, and I'd listened to it before, but it, it, I would listen to it again, and it reminded me of like all of the effects, all of, alcohol, of the effects. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. What do you put it like that? Yeah, I, I had to say no to a few plans. I was meant to go out as well and yeah. obviously get drunk, but I just said, right, I'm going. I I, I just slept through it. Honestly, I slept. I slept at like seven. I feel, I feel like uh, one day we should do like a breakdown of your sleeping schedule and just let everyone know. It was weird. It was weird, but I honestly feel like Arsenal had an effect on that. I was, I was just depressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's fair. I don't want to speak. Can't go on the X because the X is all toxic. So I was just like, "Bunny, I'm going to bed." How uh, how right. representative do you think? This isn't necessarily what I wanted to speak about, but how representative do you think online fans are of the the general consensus? Because I always I'm always like I don't know how much it like if you think about how many Arsenal fans there are in the world and how many people are like active on social media how many people yes. are prominent voices you know and you you cut down you cut down you cut down it's like a really percent of a percent who are actually dictating what and and then it's Arsenal fans are saying it's like no it's like ten Arsenal fans it's like yeah yeah it's it is very overgeneralized I say that for a fact um, and going to games very often fortunate to do that like it is different mm. but obviously I didn't go to the game and so all my so panic you know <laughs> crisis it's, it's just uh, <laughs> but I also feel like it's becoming more common like a few years ago it wasn't as common as this now it feels like any defeat it, it is honestly like and any win it, it goes other way as well like there's, mm. there's no in between anymore there's no grey so either mm. you're black or you're white and it, it, they just they fight against it there I am but the, I, I think the yeah I, I, I think expectations have grown like, do you know what I mean? Like, ultimately, and I think it, it, it's it's often, and I hope, you know, in discussing the the game, we can start to put sort of pieces together and, and create some context and stuff and figure out what is, you know, we were saying on this direction, right? Like, what is the problem and what isn't the problem? And I think sometimes it kind of all gets thrown in together. And I use the phrase, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And it's true. It's like figuring out what is the baby? What is the bathwater? What is actually the problem? Or, and what are we panicking? And I think realistically, a lot of people's, you know, understandably, our expectations have grown. You go and spend a hundred million pounds in the summer. You go and have a title race. You go and do all those things. The the the, the sort of expectation window shifts, and mm. I understand it. But it's also important to look look at things. I think in a more years, seasons, era kind of perspective. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely come to all that. I'm very calm, and I've been very calm since the game. You're always um, calm. yesterday. I wasn't. I feel. But but I think what I did because I'm I'm very much a I'd say a problem solver. Mm. In the sense of like, if I ever see something's wrong, I don't sit there and go, oh, it's wrong. I right, the world's over, right? I'm literally sitting there. Even if it's, if I'm not affecting the team, I'm going, what would the answer be? Mm. I was actually trying to figure out what went wrong and where it goes wrong. And also like to see if there's actually a crisis because there's always that, you know, it's never as bad as it actually sounds out to be. Yeah. And so I went into the underlying stats and maybe I'm coping here, probably am. 
But I looked at the stats of our last, like, was it five, six games? And it's pretty good, I'll mm. be honest, in terms of expected points, in terms of XG and XG against. And I was saying that because I realised that Fulham game was really poor and I was really angry after that game because I was like, we lost this game, not just in terms of, you know, Fulham being better than us, but they mm. outworked us physically. I don't like that. I hate that feeling of just being outworked. But then I go back to the Villa game, the West Ham game, two other defeats, and I'm going, do we deserve to lose those games? Not really. No. So, yes, we have lost three games in that period of time. Mm. But two of the defeats for me weren't deserved defeats. They were unfortunate defeats. Mm. And therefore, I wasn't, wasn't sitting after those games going, ah, oh, man, we're the worst team. So, I think I just gave some context for it. And I think I'll expect to the points in the last five games as top of the league. Mm. Yeah. So, you, 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 we're making chances. That's how you get expected points, right? You make chances and you can stop conceding chances. It's just a matter of that we're conceding from, I think I saw a stat that our last like 10 or 15 shots, we conceded like five, six goals from or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Versus 80 shots in those goals and we scored like three goals. Yeah. Yeah. And look, two things. I think, you know, I think the problem solving mindset is, is a good one. I think also on the flip side, I never want to tell anyone how to fan. And if you want to be emotional, you want to be, you know, you want to get ragey about it, that's absolutely fine. I just can only present my perspective. And I think it's, it always, I think sometimes in football analysis, the, the thing that I think is missing is, is the, the sort of the, almost how funny it is, how fine the margins are. If someone's head, you know, if Gabriel Jesus's head is, is in this position as opposed to that position, we score against West Ham. We're having completely different conversations and we're, you know, we're talking about the future of the football club in a completely different way. So I think you are, and, and the problem is, is, is you say stats like that and people go, it doesn't matter if you don't get the results. And it's like, <laughs> but I promise you, looking at those underlying stats, they are always the better benchmark for how you're going to do long-term. They're not, they're not going to predict whether you win a game or lose a game, but over the course of a season, court, you know, this is why yeah. I always think about Unai Emery. His underlying stats are always playing catch-up. And that's why, you know, I think he's done an amazing job and I, and I wouldn't wish to disrespect him, but that's, that was the problem at Arsenal and it sort of caught up with us. And if we are creating chances as we did against West Ham and we, you know, Fulham is a different thing, which we'll come to in a second, but generally we're, I think we're okay. And, and I think the underlying stats are important to look at. And I know some people will say, it doesn't matter, we didn't win the game, but actually overall they, they are the thing that give you the sort of the North, the North star, I guess. There's always one team on top on underlying stats. You want to guess who that team is? City. I presume. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, I think they, pre I'm pretty sure they won a title every single year. So there's a reason why they've done quite always well there. in the past couple of years. Yeah. 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 So as a, my point is that we're neck and neck still, yeah. regardless of our recent results, actually performance wise, stats wise, we're still up there. So that for me is a good, it's a positive sign because it shows that we're still generating stuff. Yeah. It's not just the lost cause of the, when we were, oh, was it 16th in 2020? Mm. And you were like, we weren't making chances, we're defending poorly yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're making chances, we're not taking those chances, but the Fulham game, let's talk specifically. Yeah. Where did you think it go, did they go wrong? Because for me, I put it down to very simply, the basics. I think in terms of just that mentality going into the game, it felt like we went in there going like, we're better than Fulham, we'll cruise past this game like we did last year, 3-0, we'll be up at half-time and it'll be easy. And when we scored the opening goal, we kind of just relaxed after that. And I think for me, it was more down to just a better basic mentality issue, which I think Declan Rice said the same after the game as well. What did you think went wrong against Fulham? It, it's like, uh, I, I, think, I think going into a game... It's like you, you speak to a surfer and they can do everything right. They can get absolutely everything right and the wave doesn't come. The only thing they can focus on is getting their technique right, getting making sure they're in the water at the right time, making sure they've got the right equipment with them, you know, all, all those sorts of things. And I think 
broadly, that's been our focus and that's that's the success that we've had and, and the waves have come for us, which is great. Yesterday we did we didn't bring our surfboard. We didn't we didn't come with the right equipment. We didn't go in the water at the right time. We didn't, I'm revealing how little I know about surfing, but all the technical <laughs> elements of surfing that I'm sure go into it. Um, look, mate, yeah, I think you're bang on about the basics. And the thing is, which we should be specific on, are, are the jewels, are just getting your passes right, are the detail on the pass, are um, the the intensity you put into the, the, every action, and all those things which you know come before tactics, before everything. If you don't have that, they're, they're the foundation of your house. Nothing else matters. It, do, it doesn't matter. And if you don't do that, you are liable to getting self-punished. But I think when you speak about what goes wrong in a game, you have to try and put a picture together. And it's never putting it down to one element. And it's never going to be just this or just that or just this player's individual mistakes or whatever. Um, but let's try and build that picture. So, you know, and I'm saying that because sometimes you go, oh, we were a bit tired and they go, you can't use that as an excuse. It's like, no, 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 no. It's part of the picture. So one part of the picture, I think is absolutely the basics, uh, which we didn't get right. I think another part of the picture is we look physically and mentally fatigued. I, I, I think that is that is undeniable to me. I think if you look at the performances of um, specifically our front line, I think there is a level of um, ingenuity and creativity that can't come when you can feel your legs, when you, when you, you, you can't do six depots and rifle it in the top corner if you don't think you've got the, 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 the puff on you to do it. So that was another issue. I think mentally as well, uh, the fatigue. I think if you look at the squad and the, the injuries we have, we don't have any sort of fresh impetus off the bench, particularly that, that could help us. And then I think there's a number of other things. So for me, our attacking play is far too predictable. It's far too predictable. Mm. I spoke about a little bit on the interaction about this, about how teams have slightly changed how they double up on Saka, where last season it used to be the centre-back and the full-back getting absolutely dragged over to, to, to Saka. And if he connected inside, then Erdegaard had a bit more space because he had that whole half space to himself. Now, either the centre-back is sort of slightly checking that and, and sort of almost acting as a, a buffer rather than and, and allowing his, his full-back to be one-on-one with Saka. Um, or... Uh, the, the wingers being pulled back on, on, the, on the other side to help out and be the double. So the centre-back remains where they are and they can deal with Erdogan a bit better. That was a massive thing for us. Also, Ben White uh, isn't necessarily supporting in the same way. I don't know whether that's instruction. I don't know whether that's injury. I don't know. Um, Jesus, I think, is uh, obviously uh, only played the second half yesterday, but he, he struggled. And, and Ketia isn't someone who is going to facilitate play. So I thought that was, that was as much as Jesus, let's say. So I think that was that was another problem. And then I think in terms of the ingenuity and the desire to take risks, I've said I said earlier on in the season, there's so many moments where I see Erdegaard's on the last line and Rice has the ball, and there is a channel that you can play it through. And I worry and wonder how much the players are instructed to make that decision and make that pass. And if they lose the ball, what are the consequences? What does Arteta say to them? And finding that balance of knowing when to play that ball and when not to play that ball and to take that risk in the final third and risk losing the ball. I felt this season that balance has not largely, but a lot of the time has been off um, specifically towards the beginning of the season. So that was another thing. I think structurally also, we don't, we don't want to get running behind, um, which is another thing for me. I think there's, again, that could, could be related to mental and physical desire. There's probably loads of other things I've missed, but those, those are the, the main sort of facets of the picture, I think. Um, and and then in terms of a solution, maybe we can we can discuss that moving forward. I think the matter for me is though, in terms of that physical and the duels and the stuff that for me actually lost us the game. That's a one-off. 
that is because how many times a season have you seen Arsenal outdueled and outworked? Yeah, and that's what I said. I said if only it was not that's a key message, <laughs> right? I felt I felt like it was the first time this season I could sit here and go a team has beat us and it is deservedly beat I agree us. Like, it wasn't a question. I agree with you. And so that the fact that we've come to December, or basically January, and that to happen is a positive side. Mm. But at the same time, I get why fans are concerned because results is what they see. And I think in terms of actually our underlying numbers. Our expected point difference from this year to last year after 20 games is like one. Mm. It's not massive, mm. right? Last year, we were massively overperforming expected points and they eventually caught us up to a point where we you know, bought the title eventually. So I think for myself is as much as I'm annoyed right now, I don't think it's a crisis, but it is being labelled a crisis. And it's you can look at that in two ways. You can say it as either our mentality as fans has changed and we're not satisfied with top four anymore and we want more than that, which is fair. But I also feel like sometimes it's just fear-mongering. And it's the idea when you're bad, you're the worst in, in the world. Mm. And I think that now you're seeing this the whole Bukayo Saka is awful. Declan Rice is awful. I'm, I'm seeing more and more of those conversations start. And I'm thinking to myself, like, but I, you can't. I always, you know, I, I look, those, those are, are reactions and it's never easy to tell who is saying what. And, and, and look, but I think with the, with the only thing I'd say is a, is a worry that I actually take for... Because as you say, the basics... It, Arteta is not going to allow this team to lose the duels week in, week out. It's just not going to happen. Something will change. So that that's not a concern for me. This, the tactical stuff, you know, how we approach play has been has changed. You know, there, there were certain things, there were problems yesterday. I don't really see that as a massive problem moving forward. The thing that I take forward from this game and worry about, not necessarily worry, but but I think could could, could limit us, is the attacking impetus in terms of new ideas and fresh ideas. And I think that is something consistently, as I was talking about, that I think Arteta doesn't always get right in terms of... I look at that front three now, let's let's say it's Saka, Jesus and, and Martinelli. It's not... It's not unpredictable enough. It's, it feels to me that there is far too much... We know, you know, in that last sort of... You know, it, maybe you could reduce it down so there's no plan B, but I'm not sure it's that simple. In that sort of last 20 minutes, half an hour, we looked absolutely bereft of ideas. And that's the concern for me because these are our, those were our best players on the pitch. And maybe they're mentally and physically fatigued and, and all those sorts of things. But the reason I mention it is because we've seen it before. We've seen, we've seen us look bereft of ideas before with Saka Martinelli and Jesus. And I hate looking to the market as a, as a solution because I think Arteta, I imagine, broadly, is giving them all the tools they need to succeed. And I just yeah. wonder whether Saka, Martinelli and Jesus, is it the the mental kind of pressure they feel to be the, the three who have got to provide? Is it, you know, do we need a bit of an atta attacking impetus? Just a bit of competition, a bit of someone who, you know, if I don't step my game up here, if I don't take that risk, if I don't take that shot, there is a consequence. And, and I'm not, again, Saka's done so much for us. And, and I think the switch up on him from, genuinely from certain certain fans is is not okay. Or, you know, not, not what I'd say. Equally though, there are no consequences for Saka missing that shot yesterday. There, there aren't. And I think there would be for Jeremy Doku. I think there would be for Luis Diaz. I think there would be for someone else. So... But would there for Mohamed Salah? Well, probably not because he's got a bigger sample size. But, but in, you know, and I'm not suggesting take Saka out of the team, but, but for both Saka and Martinelli, it feels, a and Jesus actually, I think it just feels yeah. a little bit too comfortable. There's no one mm -hmm. there as that fourth attacker who says, I am the guy who the moment you make a mistake, I'm on it. And you do need that level. Um, and I just wonder if part of the not risk-taking thing, again, part of the picture, 
part of the not risk-taking thing is because they are a little bit too comfortable. Comfortable. And I, I think Mikel Arteta agrees because look at our targets that we're we linked to, you know, a new striker to target, mm. J, you know, to push Jesus. And by the way, if you get a striker in, what you're doing actually is allowing Jesus to become not just a striking option, but also a wide yeah. option as well. Yeah. So you're adding more to the, to the attack like that. And then you've got the, the maverick type of profile like Pedro Neto. Mm. So, you know, I think Mikel Arteta sees that for sure. But I think in terms of attack, I think the problem may even just be a second album syndrome in the sense of like last year, they were fearless. It, they weren't thinking it was like, okay, let's take any team apart. And I think right right now it feels like, you know, they are thinking too much because they were listening. I mean, this time last year, that chance where Martinelli kind of just puts it wide, goes into the back of the net and we're celebrating another goal. So it is just those fine margins we talked about earlier. Win this game, we're top of the league. Lose this game, we're in the top four race now. That's how close we are. Mm. That's why I always don't like to overreact after one performance. Mm. But of course, I realise that this is the, the age of social media and <laughs> we got to get used to it, I guess. I'm a part of the age of social media, mm. but I just try my best not to get caught up in too much of it. But, but um, It's important, well, I, just on that though, I do think it's important to recognise what filters we watch the game through. And I, I always think about this with like away games where sometimes you're watching away game and people come away and go, oh, you know, we might win 1-0, 2-0 or whatever. And people go, oh, that was a tough away game. And I was like, if you removed the crowd and Gary Neville going, oh, after every chance and just watched the game, I think you would have felt very differently about it. It's just the fact that mm -hmm. there's the noise, there's the pressure, there's the, the emotional experience and you feel like it was a big a big sort of problem but actually the players on the pitch watching what they were doing they were never really in any in any trouble they maybe had one or two chances there might have been a contentious decision but overall we look fine so being aware of the filters we view it through and i think you know yeah we are of a generation right like i'm 26 you're 24 three 23 23 we are of a generation that grew up with two screens really i mean i i, yeah. I now don't watch football with with, with my phone but like if the if the if the screen's there, a lot of people are kind of watching both, and that affects your the way you view it because you, people are giving you language and things to respond to. It's like you know if, if the commentator is saying loads of mad stuff that you you see on there, you'd start to have a response to it and create your own narratives around it. So it is interesting to consider how you view football, where that comes from, where your opinions. And me too, I'm not suggesting I'm in any way 100%. not a part of it. It's just interesting no, to we are, we consider are. it. Maybe Alex is just alluding to the fact that we should watch games muted. Maybe that's a that's a, that's a revelation. Honest, honestly, I it's it, if there was, try, if there was a no commentary way. option, I would. And there is sometimes on no, on Prime. There is. I have tried it once. There was a game I think last season. Where I think it was maybe Neville, and he was doing my head in. I just muted the commentary. I just muted it. I just said I want to watch it without it because I felt like there was a narrative being created in my in my mind, as you said, because of what they're saying. Yeah. And also, a lot of your future projections come from past experiences, yes. because Arsenal fans have gone through a lot of okay. turmoil and, you know, all of that type of stuff. A lot of it goes, oh, it happened to us before, it's going happen to us again. I get it. So I'm, I'm not here to judge any fans. I'm just here to, you know, to try to give my context of it. And hopefully, you know, I get some fans calmed down, because I don't want to see panic. I don't like seeing panic, because people, no, no one enjoys being panicky. Unless you do, by the way, which yeah. is then. But again, you know that's 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 your experience, and 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 I feel I feel that way too. But it's hard, isn't it? Because you don't want to tell, you don't want to tell people how to fan. It's it's. It, but, but I don't think it's about telling though. I think it's about giving offering different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I think if we had like a Mikel Arteta perspective, you ever you ever get to the stage where a certain player comes off and you're going, why did he go off? Mm. Mikel would have seen something very specific that he wasn't doing. Mm -hmm. And I just, I always wonder if I could see it from his eyes. Yeah. That's what I try to do because ultimately he's the most important figure in terms yeah, of decision-making yeah, yeah. at Arsenal. It's not myself or any other fan. It's what he sees yeah. he as. So that's why I'm always trying to provide logic because I'm trying to understand myself. What is he seeing? 
because it makes more sense that way. Yeah, I see that. And uh, I think talking of what he is seeing, transfers, the window is open <laughs> and strikers, he is looking at. Let's talk about alternatives though. Victor Osimhen is a very good player, but um, have you seen that tweet he put out responding to a Chelsea fan I did uh, in his, of, of him in a Chelsea kit as a kid? Have you seen that? What do you make of that? Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Canon Pod. Sports Social Podcast Network.